We are recording. We go around that way. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 Well. Hello. Hello. Hello and welcome. I'm Steve. And I'm Al. And I'm Jess. And I'm Brett. And I'm Rory. And I'm Rick. And this is Fools with Tools, a podcast for the muddy maker. You done? He's just recording the whole thing. Okay. <laughs> Did um, you realize I started this podcast out by talking over you? Yeah. <laughs> I, I was just going to ignore that. Okay, fine. I'm worried about your battery. Give me a second. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, so, what's everyone up to? Boarding. Hitting stuff with hammers and hitting stuff. And getting closer to microphones, right up here, like this. Uh, okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll explain Thanks. why we're all here. Thanks, Thanks host. Okay. Uh, so yeah, we're all at Jimmy's place because uh, Rory's been running a fucking awesome uh, introduction to blacksmithing class. That's really off-putting. What were you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Live stream. Yeah. Uh, Not pressure. Yeah, I know, right? Um, so yeah, uh, we've all been here for the, the class, which has been really, really, really good. Um, do, do we want to go around and talk about what everyone's been up to, or should we just go straight into talking about teaching and stuff? Well, we've all yeah. been up to this. Yeah. So so go check out our Instagram stories and stuff, and apparently Jess's, because she's just constantly <laughs> taking photos, so I had to pause to <laughs> smile. Um, Can't smile and talk. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, so yeah, we were going to talk about um, teaching. So Rory, do you want to talk a little bit about your experiences with uh, with teaching people and, and how this class has been and how it compares to others and that? Really close. Why? Well, yes, I would. <laughs> <laughs> so Jimmy reached out to me and asked if I would be interested in uh, putting together a three-day intro to blacksmithing class and having the background of Dragon Forge, the classes that we've had at Dragon Forge, as well as uh, public demonstrations and doing the YouTube videos, there was a good foundation to build from of that to create such a thing. More than happy to come out here and be part of this and participate in it, but the past three days with 15 students, I believe we had, on top of having great assistance helping assist and put it together as far as people running into their problems and we're giving signals. I don't know what's going on. That's right. <laughs> Sorry, just pointing at Red. Are we just pointing at Red because he was a student? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Red was here from France. I'm, I'm, I'm going to officially pronounce France as France, not France. <laughs> it's, it's a lot more beautiful way to say it. But when you're walking into this situation, you have somebody who's very green or they have a little bit of experience, the intimidation factor is humongous because we are manipulating steel. And this feels funny because I, I want to talk to the microphone. I've been talking to you guys all weekend. So we're man manipulating forging steel and the concept about how we're doing it and doing it in such a way that it is approachable and achievable as well. One of the projects we did is forge a bottle opener out of some flat stock. And with Jimmy setting up the shop and gathering the tools, one of the problems was how can we make a hole without necessarily cutting or drilling a hole? So taking the time to design and 
foraging this quarter by one the hard way to isolate the material and manipulate the material and then wrap it around the whole process. We had a gentleman by the name of uh, Nick, I forget his last name, and he said, he watched me do it, and he goes, Roy, I can't do that. I, I, I just can't. So it was taking it back. It's like, sure you can. We're just going to be getting it hot. You're applying this pe pressure, and it's a concept of divide and conquer and divide and conquer and then divide and manipulate and bend it around. And that constant encouragement and that constant also problem solving on the fly because they will be doing something a little subtle that will have a dramatic effect that I didn't put in consideration. And then we need to figure out how can we salvage what they were doing so they didn't lose the last 15, 20 minutes, maybe an hour of this energy going into this piece. Because there's, there's there are times where you need to start over because now that, that experiment taught you what you needed to know. For the next step and then there are times where we need to try to salvage this so we can keep moving forward and keeping that student from repeating the same process and getting frustrated about not wanting not knowing what to do next yeah and not knowing how to do the next step i think i think like the most impressive thing that i saw from teaching you teaching and um, was that showing somebody something that was intimidating because we're going to make this and then like you say reverse engineering going back step by step and just explaining in this like the simplest form what we're going to do first and then we're going to do this and then we're going to do that and just explaining those steps and then it, even to the point where you're like sketching it out on a chalkboard you know it sounds right. like it's patronizing or like oh, you want me to draw your fucking picture but no it's like it's the, the simplest form and then everyone understands it yeah. so it then turns around and makes a ball of it right. <laughs> and, and totally nailed it and that, that was one of the the feedbacks that i got that i i overlooked because i was i was thinking about the processes but uh to bring the the samples of each step. Yeah. That way, while I'm talking about it, I can say, and step three looks like this. And technically, that's called a storyboard where we can see steps one through however many. So for the class for November, I will be incorporating a storyboard and probably just bringing it to Jim. So if, if he does have a larger workshop or whatever, he also has that in the back and says, hey, we can make this bottle opener. And then they have all the steps that they need to follow to accomplish that, that project. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite funny because one of the Things I noticed. It, I think it was um, Eric that did it. He um, he started doing his uh, bottle like that and got like started isolating it and drawing that material out. Um, and then he was like, "Oh yeah, but I'm, I'm just going to fuck it up. I, you know, this is this is as good as as it's going to get." And I was like, "Well, you you've done the hardest bit now. Like it's just like you've done the the grunt work. Now you just need to bring it around." And it was quite interesting seeing um, that kind of dynamic grow and seeing. Um, especially with the, the students helping each other out. Right. It was really nice to see, especially in this class, because it was so um, compact in the, the space that we were using. It was really nice seeing students help one another. And one of the points that um, I mentioned to you last night was it was really nice to see um, when someone needed a striker. Yeah. Rather than you jumping in and going, okay, well, I'll, I'll quickly strike for you. You saying to another student who was perhaps a little bit further ahead, right, can you strike for, for so-and-so and kind of helping them help each other and bring each other along. Exactly. And when you're working with a large group, you can start seeing some characteristics and personalities of this guy will complement this other smith very well because maybe they, they have a, a natural ability or maybe they have some experience and you can start teaming them up a little bit. And they, they don't know, like, you're, you're setting it up <laughs> yeah. that way so they can help each other while you're doing your rounds to, to pick up where you left off with everybody in their project. And having you guys 
assisting with that as well relieved me of some pressure of like, okay, you know, Steve has this guy, Alice has this guy, Brett is over here doing this and being able to step back, look at the grand thing and seeing somebody in the corner scratching their head or like yeah. shaking their head at the piece, like you could see the frustration. I like, I need to go see this guy right now yeah. mm -hmm. and jumping back in. So I was constantly stepping out, big picture, coming back in. How's it going? What's going on? Stepping out, crying in the bushes, coming back, <laughs> wiping the tears, and coming back into class. Yeah, I think I think like teaching. The idea of teaching is this: standing in front of the classroom and explaining it right. to everyone. But like, there's no way you could do that for for something like this, mm -hmm. where it's so vocational, so hands-on. Yeah, you need that one-on-one -on -one time, and mm -hmm. it's just even with the size of the class, being able to just divide up the time and go right. I need two minutes with that guy. I'm gonna leave you alone, and we go to the next guy. Maybe I only need a few seconds with them because it's just a little adjustment and then it's the next guy and it's just splitting up that time because even through college and stuff, it was always just a question of not having enough time with the tutors. Yeah. And you might only need a few minutes, but just getting that FaceTime, getting that reassurance as well. A lot, a lot of the weekend is just yeah, telling people you're doing it right. Yeah, that's checking. <laughs> yeah, 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 you're, yeah, you're doing yeah. it good. Yeah. It, it wasn't yeah. like correcting people or um, like not shaming them, but kind of, you're doing it wrong, you're doing it right. <laughs> we did have that moment. Yeah. But more of it was just a confidence thing. Like, yeah. you, you, yes, you're doing it right. But right. Then, you know, Because one of the things that um, I really noticed is it, it was quite nice the fact that we were we were all kind of like saying to each other, oh, Rory, can you just give so-and-so a hand because I'm doing this or, or whatever. Are you crying, And one of the things I noticed was uh, Al, who... Of, of all of us that were, were kind of um, helping has probably the least amount of actual time on a forge mm -hmm. but he understands the process really really well um, yeah. and his brain just seems to work like that and it was really nice seeing him go up to students and really be able to walk them through what they needed to do to get to the end goal and and if they were having a, an issue or they were stuck with something him being able to kind of say oh yeah well if you do this and this and this then move further on and at no point did he need to say uh Rory, Steve, Brett, I don't know what to do next. It, it was just he understood the process and went with it and I think it was really nice seeing that. I think there's also something to be said for um, having a varied degrees of teacher because I know that I learn best from people who are understand the concepts but are still in the process of learning like when I'm learning a foreign language, I don't go to a person who speaks that language naturally. I go to yeah. the person who had to learn it. Mm -hmm. You don't go to the prodigy to learn yeah. something because they didn't. They just did it. Yeah. And I think that as a teacher, it's sometimes hard to remember what it was like to learn it when you just say, these are the steps, do them. Yeah. So like, I think that having all of these different degrees of teachers, people who teach full-time, people, people who teach half-time, and people who just should be teachers just all around. <laughs> right, right. I mean, it's, it's important. I think it's really good for students to be um, exposed to all of those different styles. Jumping real quick, like with, with Al, kind of eavesdropping on what he was saying and leading with them. You know, Al, I was, I was very impressed with your, your charisma and your empathy and being able to see the big picture and still direct and, and do that. And I felt like kind of guilty. I was like, well, maybe Al needs to be forging. Maybe he wants to make whatever we're doing and checking in with you and like, how are you doing? Is there anything we need to go over? Is there anything you want to do? And you were like totally on top of it. Nope, got it under control and continue on with the course and the, the direction that we were going for and getting this 
large group of students to a, a happy, happy, uh, satisfactory level towards each checkpoint of the project. Yeah. Obviously, I was just going to say, Red, like, from, obviously, you have teaching experience um, in different fields, but just from a, a student side of things, um, I think you did the most coding of everybody <laughs> for the weekend. Right? So, because you're a machine. But, yeah, um, I'm not. <laughs> and, you know, how did you take on board the things that Rory was saying and, and also, like, your experience looking at the other students and seeing what they were learning and how quickly they picked things up? Yeah, be, being a teacher um, for a long time now, um, um, it, was, it was weird for me to be a student again. Mm -hmm. it was, it's been a long time since I, I, I was with a teacher showing me new stuff. Uh, but the way Rory explains everything and shows everything and leave, it on your, leave you on your own to try it and jump back in to show you, yeah, okay, that part is, is good, but you should do that for the next step. And that's the perfect way of teaching for me, from my point of view. That's how I did it and how I do it. And so that's the perfect way for me to learn. And I was very, very impressed by that, by you are showing all the steps, explaining all the process to the, to the student. I was also very impressed by the students themselves, uh, themselves uh, because most of them, um, for most of them, it was their first time in Forge, first time singing Hana and Hippie from Fort Middle. And after going through the basics, they were very, very uh, creative and combining all the uh, few techniques they learned to create their own things and putting a twist on everything they've seen and learned uh, during the weekend. And I was very, very impressed by that. Yeah, because yeah, I think that's. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, that's one of the things that was uh, that when I first started learning to teach, that was one of the most difficult things. Is the temptation to when you see someone doing something and and trying to make out for the first time is to to kind of jump in and just be like, oh no no no, not like that, like this. But you have to take that step back and kind of allow them to make their own mistakes and allow them to figure out on their own because everyone's going to have a slightly different way of doing things um, and. And it was really nice to see the um, the way that everyone was kind of taking a bit of a, a step back, allowing people to, to kind of make mistakes and then just popping over and being like, just try a little bit of this or a, a little bit of that. Um, I think a few of the students, uh, like Eric, I know, for example, um, was having real trouble with uh, his um, leave when he was doing the leave. Um, everyone had trouble with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know. <laughs> and, uh, but I kind of said, I, I went over to him at one point and he was like, I've been banging at this for about an hour and you know, I've not got anywhere with it. And it's like, well, that's because you're doing that one little thing right. wrong. Just do this slightly differently. Um, and because he was having trouble uh, turning his wrist. Um, and the, the technique that was being taught was strike once, turn 90, strike again, turn 90, and you just do that. And I said, rather than trying to do that, try striking three or four times, then turning it, then doing a few more, um, just so that you're not, you're not putting strain on that wrist, but you, you're getting that movement there. And, um, and he tried that, and it was like the heavens had opened and the light was shining down, and all of a sudden he was actually able to start moving it. Because um, for me, it was the hardest part of, of this, was the fact that I was learning a different technique of doing things to how I normally do and then having to teach that. So there was a couple of times where I went over to someone and said, oh, no, 
don't do it like that. Try doing this instead. And they go, oh, but, but Rory said to do it like this. <laughs> oh, fight! In, in, in which case, yes, carry on and do that. Yeah, yes, <laughs> no, but I think, I think um, exactly to that point, there's, there's diff- totally what we're going to discuss this a million times. There's, there's a million ways to skin a cat. Um, and it's the same with Smithy. Name five. <laughs> well, you start with the P. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so starting off with the basics, obviously the way like the class was run for, for Total Greens, like I know nothing, never been in a forge, never held a hammer, this is new to me, or I, you know, I, I have woodwork experience. Mm-hmm. And then teaching the basics, first step, learn a taper, draw it out. Um, and then from then on, it's actually, you don't have to do everything the same way. You know, you were saying you can you can hit things on this side of the anvil, use different parts of the anvil, you know. Yeah. Once you learn that's what that's designed for, there's also yeah. other ways you can do it. So I think it's not that it's necessarily wrong or try it a different way, it's like what works for you. I know we're talking to Scott, huge guy, six six. Yes, I for what his size, <laughs> yeah. I don't have room for his name in my head. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's a wall of a man. Yeah. I'm glad he is a, a very nice man. And yeah. he was um, he was striking in a way that looked really comfortable. Mm-hmm. And you were like, this is how I do it, I do it down the line. And then he was like, yeah, but I can't do it because yeah. of just the way I'm built, the size yeah. of this. Right. Um, and the way he was doing it looked crazy awkward, but he was getting super flat, really nice as strike. Long, as long as the control is there, yeah. the accuracy is there, then that power will come. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. And, and I think it was, it was really nice just to see these like aha moments throughout the weekend. Just like you say, if, if, if you, you get somebody to understand something, it's just a little bit different. Uh, that's why that's happening. Yeah, yeah. Turn it this way or hit it that way. Um, and just watching those little sparks throughout yeah. the weekend and then you could see that's when people's confidence suddenly went, now I can do it. Now I can do this. Now I can go into something totally different. Yeah. Yeah. There was, there was a, another a student who was asking about um, where were all my pieces of forging? And I, I didn't think about it like that, but he was kind of putting this a uh, little bit of pressure about this was about, you know, Rory... Being, Rory. Being the center. Rory. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'll explain the parents. <laughs> that that I, this was like a circus and I was in the middle of being this ringleader and it was like, no, this was about the students. My job here was just to inform, you know, get that door open. They need to walk through and experiment with that. And all I am is just guiding them through that and keeping that intention and that focus. This is a class. Yeah. This is not. The Rory show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm just here. Yeah, demonstration. Walk, yeah, yeah, I'm just here walking alongside with them. How how does that differ then, if at all, from something like um, a Dragon Forge class? You know, for there, are you more representing you know your company and your brand, and you want that to be a reflection of kind of the things that you do there, versus this, which is really kind of just helping people to learn the basics. So is there a different approach to teaching? Inside of Dragon Forge, it's, it's very much the same. It's a very kind of open environment. When it's business and it's running the business and we're dealing with the clients, then it's the reputation is Craig and I. Yeah. You know, if we have, if we happen to have a student making a, a product for a Dragon Forge, which is not going to happen, yeah. but if we have an employee, yeah. it's a lot different. It's a little bit more, um, the bar set a lot higher. You also have the personality of my father, who is very blunt, a bit abrasive around the edges, but it's all because we have that deadline, the reputation, and that quality that needs to be it because that that product needs to represent Dragon Forge, yeah. and that brings the students in because they, they see it, they they're drawn to it, it's appealing, they say I want to learn how to do this, but then we have to back off, 
breathe a little bit, loosen up a little bit, and say, okay, square one, this yeah. is an amble. Yeah. Yeah, let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we were discussing this a little bit the other night, Rory, that um, when it comes to teaching, obviously, if you're bringing people in, you know, junior people in, into, into the forge, you want to teach them the ways of Dragon Forge. And like you say, you know, you might do it slightly different than your dad did it with you, but the end result needs to be the same because you have a, a, a consistency and a, and a house style. And a, oh, sure. And a level. And even inside Dragon Forge, how Craig does something and how I do, do something, even though the man taught me how to do it, we still do things differently, which is interesting. So he doesn't care work side how it gets done. Inside that class environment, we try to keep it the same if it's me and him or him and I. And that if I come to this person's progress, I know where they are inside of those steps because we're teaching that same technique like we talked about earlier about keeping that consistency of uh, the formula to build that project. Then, yeah, because I was just thinking, obviously, that's, that's the way you do it. You want to get a consistent style. Brett, I was thinking that your approach to things is completely different when you do your style. So, like, from your point of view, how is that to kind of in a class where you're trying to kind of take on Rory's t teachings, but then put the Brett spin on it, so you've got like a slightly mm -hmm. different approach. Like, oh, here's how, actually how I would do it. Yeah. Or, you know, I get slightly different results because I'm yeah. fucking maverick. <laughs> <laughs> right? yeah. Thank you. Um, I, I, I definitely had a few moments where, you know, I'm learning from Rory. Rory gave us a little bit of a walkthrough the day before the class started, and, you know, I've, I've had the opportunities to learn from a couple of smiths and I took a couple of classes back in the day, but they were really minimal. There really wasn't much focus on, on doing things correctly. It was definitely like, right, here's what we're going for. We're going to let you play and just make sure no one gets hurt. And so I ended up with like a really shitty knife that just looks like garbage and an S hook that took almost an entire day, you know, because I didn't know how to taper and no one, no one else at the classroom. So there were moments where like the frustrations we were talking about earlier and how people would get to a point of just going, well, I don't know, it's not tapered, it's just smaller than everything else before it, but it's still just a smaller version of that. Um, because a lot of me sorting out, you know, how I want to make things on the forge has just become me either watching YouTube videos or just going, all right, fuck it, I'll give it a shot. Sure, yeah. Um, one of the main things that I kept telling people is like, think about it in reverse. I know that's a really like umbrella term, but what happens is, and this happened to me early on, it's like you always want to see the process that you're currently working on and you want it to be facing you and you want it to be straight. Like looking right down at it, this is the thing that I'm working on right now. And people would start doing their curls or their leaves or something like that. And you'd watch them hold the leaf backwards, you know, against it across the anvil and be trying to do the lows. And you're like, either walk around to the other side of the anvil if that feels more comfortable to you, or come to the horn and actually face it and hold it just like you would, except for that you're on the side. I saw people doing curls where you want to be able to look at the curl over the horn, you know, and they're like, they're hitting it over the horn and their arm ends up going, you know, underneath <laughs> the horn and they're, they're back underneath it. And so I go, think about it in reverse. You know, like don't don't limit yourself effectively. You know, because it's I think it's everybody's first approach to learning almost anything. It's like you see the one way that it's done, and you just whether it's your comfortability or your form or whatever, it's like well, this thing I know I need to make it look like this thing, so I obviously have to do it exactly like Rory did it. And 
I had a few moments in the forge that were very much, you know, turn it, turn it around, turn it over. Where's another part that feels more comfortable to you? Is it better on the heel or do you want to work on the horn? Can you curl it just with the pushing motion? Some people, everybody jumped to the horn to get the curl because they think they've just seen that everywhere. But the way you did it, laying it down, and you just, it's that form of it. Yeah, and sometimes, you know, forging in the air, just using the anvil to hold the material yep. so you can use that negative space, yeah. but also with the intent of like this workshop and kind of going the direction you're, you're heading is that theory of how to forge. It wasn't see monkey see, monkey do, mm -hmm. monkey see, yeah, monkey yeah, yeah. do, Rory dances, you dance. It was that we're, we're squishing, we're manipulating, and it's about you in control of the material. It's not about the tools controlling the material. You are still the operator. You could have the same anvil, the same hammer, and you can have different people using the same tools, the same kind of material. You will have different results of the same project, and the only difference is the operator. I, I still like that. One of the things I'll take out of this, especially for next month, when we do this again, because oh, yeah. we are doing this again in a month. <laughs> we love it so much. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's it's going to be interesting to not have you know Jess, Al, Steve. I am concerned. I know. <laughs> this, this is a this is a great great team and finding the charisma and the clickiness and like I'm going to tell my dad we have to hire guys from the UK or England <laughs> sorry, from England and you know, we got stuff to get yeah. done and um, yeah definitely the clickiness. Sorry. But I, no no it's fine. I, you you said it a handful of times and it was on the first day it was when we were moving anvils around to try and sort the space out a little bit better but you go. I go, oh, you want to help me move this? And you go, just move it. It's a piece of steel. <laughs> Being <laughs> a smart ass. <laughs> but then, then when it came to class time, it would be people being like, oh, I don't know if I can. And I would take that on and just go, it's a piece of steel. Yeah. Hit it. It'll do what you tell it to do if you get it hot, you know, or don't let it control your hammer strikes. Or, you know, if you're uncomfortable standing on the anvil in a certain way, or the anvil's too tall or too short. Go find another one. It's just a dumb stump that's harder than that stump. Right. Go move. <laughs> also, as the person who actually does have the least amount of forge experience. Um, but teaching. But I didn't. I didn't teach. Yeah. <laughs> I taught everyone to eat people. dinner at this time. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think that the idea of forging is something that is similar to um, like what my brother does with concrete. People are afraid to use concrete because it seems so permanent where it's like in the forge everything it's like it's so hard and how do you do it and you're afraid to do it and you don't want to take the strike but I, I had the opportunity to work with red which I was very excited about yeah. and then I had the opportunity to work with Steve which I was kind of like ambivalent about <laughs> but um, my my fear as the beginner is always like I don't want to hit it because I might hit it wrong. But of course, if I never hit anything, then I've never yeah. done anything. And so it was really good to see, especially so many people who have never done this before. They're standing there hesitating. And you're like, you lose me. Hit, yeah. hit, just hit, just go for it. Doesn't matter. Just hit it. And it's like, ah, you know, then they hit it. And they're like, okay, that was, that was fine. You know? Scott, and, Scott certainly didn't have that problem. <laughs> <laughs> he sure did. <laughs> Can I hit it now? Yeah. So that, that was something that was really cool to watch as you know and I was talking to Sharon too who forged her butt off all weekend yeah. she was she was in there like every second she could and uh, she like I have the problem of 
when we do something new, we want to be completely alone with no one looking at us or listening. Like hopefully just in someone is just the closest person is like a mile away. But um, she, she just got in there and once she started because of the encouragement of all of you and just, you know, the, that feeling of, okay, like this is a safe place. Like yeah. just get in there and just start hitting it. And then she just, she made all sorts of cool things. Yeah. Yeah. Just uh, like, like, uh, just said, we really, uh, blacksmiths, makers, and, and that kind of stuff, we are all working alone in the shop most of the time and afraid of people watching our stuff. Even So we film it. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that, that's what I was about to say. We, we make videos and put it uh, out there for the world to see it. But working alone, usually working alone, I'm always uh, doing stuff my way. So having someone watch it, correct me, and, and teach me new stuff was a really, really good thing. But um, my point is that I've, I've seen a lot of people working together and, and helping each other, uh, being a striker or just just giving advice and tips uh, to one another. And, and that was a, a great thing to see and, and to be part of because, yeah, when we are alone, we are alone with the material techniques we know and skills we have and the end goal is is, is important to us but um, for this class the end goal was of course learning on new 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 techniques yeah but working with people was, was the, one of the, the greatest part of the class yeah. for me because I think um, like you say when you when you're alone in the workshop on your own it's it's very easy to, to pick up a bad habit and never realize that that you picked up that bad habit until you're working with someone else and they go, why are you doing it like that? Why don't you move that shoulder instead of this one and whatever. So I think it's really nice having that, uh, that there. But at the same time, I think um, in, in the evenings we were doing a bit more of a kind of free-for-all, like open, yeah, open forging. Um, and there was times when, kind of when, when we first started, everyone was just kind of, I want to have a go, but I don't want, everyone to be watching me so there was that, that hesitation of people before they forged um, and it was really good because that was kind of the perfect time for, for me Brett Al and, and um, Dave Gagnier and, and people like that people that had a bit more confidence a bit more experience to just kind of go in and be like okay right well I'm, I'm going to do something and go in and do something completely different to um, the projects that were being done but just start making noise and start getting that movement inside the, the forge area and then that kind of made people go, oh, okay, well maybe whilst everyone's watching what Brett's doing, I can go in and I can I can practice and I can try with something that if I fuck it up, nobody's going to see it. Um, yeah, if there's anything, I'm great at distracting people. Yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of delusion. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think um, my one of my biggest takeaways um, was just the students and the fact that no matter what the skill level is, no matter what. The learning capacity of somebody is. No, I wasn't disappointed by anyone. Yeah, everybody got there in the end. Some people got there quicker. We got there. People, yeah, some people got there um, in their own little way, or by asking questions, or by looking at others. But everybody got there, and that's a reflection of everybody's able to do stuff. Yeah. So that initial hesitation of, oh, I'm never going to be able to do this, or this is too hard, or people just standing back and going, oh, I don't know, I've never been in the forge before. None of these people have. Yeah. So, you know, you're, you're not alone and, and the, the capacity to learn is in all of us. Yeah. Um, yes, it takes great teachers, but I think 
to your point, Rory, what you said, one of the really powerful tools as well is getting other people to help each other out. Red just said the same thing. It's 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 not just about standing in front of people and shouting out orders and instructions. If you can then get these people working together and get them helping each other out, yeah, that they're going to learn twice as fast. Yeah, you know, because um, there was a point when um, when I got Jess to come along, and because she hadn't done any forging that day, I was like, right, I need a striker, Jess, come. <laughs> Come pick up that hat. I believe what you said was, I need a sledgehammer, and I brought you one. He said, No, 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 you hold it. Now yeah. hit it. Oh, here we go. Yeah. And, uh, and then I, I did the same thing to Tyler because Tyler came along and he was filming that and he was just kind of stood on the sidelines. And there was that look of like, I want to get involved, but I also want to film it. And, you know, I, I just kind of want to watch what's happening. And then um, it's the same thing. I was like, Tyler, can you just grab that sledge a sec? And kind of looked around for it and went off and grabbed it, came back over. And I was like, right, put your camera down. And he kind of went, uh, <laughs> put the camera down. Right, pick the sledge up. Okay, picked it up. And it's like, right, hit it. <laughs> Bang. And because he wasn't given that, it wasn't a can you yeah, yeah. strike for me. It was like, right, do this, now do this. Right, now you are striking for me. And it was that kind of, that uh, rather than questioning him on it, it was just like, you're doing this now. <laughs> so he didn't have chance to, to panic or worry. It was just, I'm, I'm doing it. And uh, and yeah, I think like doing things like that um, has always really helped when I'm teaching to just kind of, to not give people the chance to freak out and worry. And that's how you learn chess. I have to admit the moment where it was one of the forgings at night when it was a little bit more open. Red was getting ready to make something, but he came up to me and said, you know, I uh, think I'll make another J hook or something better than the first one. And I go, make a fish hook. Yeah. Because I know that's, it, it, every bit of that is the techniques that you were teaching, right? And it was like, this is just all of those forms in one. And so I know it's a, it's a form that I've become comfortable with because I've done it a bunch of times trying to get little prototypes and everything done. It's not super complicated and it's, three techniques and and it's the the hardest part of it is the forge weld for that little barb and honestly you wouldn't really have to do that but I was working with Tony when he was working on the hook because he goes okay all right I'll, I'll do the hook and he analyzed it and he kind of knew the process of it um, and then he starts working on it I go over and help Tony and I hear out of the back of my head you just go on like go so and I know there were people watching because I, I looked over my shoulder a couple of times and I saw some people watching you guys work because it's fun to see you know yeah. flux right, or, right. You know, so the, the challenge was is that we were doing a fluxless forge weld and yeah. there's this uh, uh, concept that the flux is the glue for the weld and trying to get the understanding that we have a, a welding heat range that we're trying to stay within and then working with red it was the pre-discussion was i'm going to get loud because we have about four to five seconds from the full forge to the anvil back to the the cold forge to stay within that heat so it's going to be setting that weld a couple more sets back in the fire do not turn it on the side we've got to set that weld first and doing it an aggressive way of doing it three times in that last part of the three three heats you can continue forging but it was, I had to be loud and aggressive to get it. And then all of a sudden there was a couple of other people in line, like, uh, I'd like to be yelled at next <laughs> to do a forge well, but also to get that, 
that, that satisfaction of if you can do it without the flux, when you use flux, it's like you've been riding a pedal bike and now you're riding a motorcycle. Yeah. You just have that assistance with you in the process of it. And of the theory more, which would be another, another 15 minute discussion, but yeah. another day. From the, from the perimeter where, where I was watching everyone on, you know, on the outside, I, one of my favorite parts was you know everyone's doing their thing and everyone's hitting metal and there's just like this constant buzz of activity and noise. And then every once in a while, all of a sudden, you just hear Rory shouting, and everyone just like gets so excited. <laughs> you know, it's like this excitement builds and crescendos, and then it's like, oh, okay, and then we're done. And everyone goes, but it was it was nice. It was a nice thing to see because there was so little pressure put on the students that yeah. they could just move at their pace. But then when it came time, it's like you got them excited about yeah. it. Like, yes, it's go time. Let's do this now. And the focus was there and everyone went crazy. It was like Alex in the, in the porch over in uh, England. Because <laughs> when he's just like, right, pick up the sledgehammer. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> he's like, hit it. Well, he, he actually, they're very different. <laughs> I just said that he's Hit it. He didn't say a word. He tapped it. Oh, okay. and you were teaching that yesterday, you know. But I didn't know what he was doing at first. <laughs> he was just kind of putting his hammer places. You didn't like, have yeah, to okay. coat a ring on. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I learned that process, but it was very exciting because yeah. he just puts this gigantic fucking bar right. like, yeah, we're gonna make an extra shift, and throws the entire bar in there, and then just, like pulls the whole thing out, and it's kind of like everyone's just going, yeah. ooh, that's good <laughs> material. And with that, that that animation of me being loud barking at people in this that this military drill sergeant if that was day one the first hour yeah. that the class would have just fallen apart after that it would have been too much too heavy too much rory too much dirty and <laughs> been a totally different vibe of that so the way the process was in the introduction of the, the hook and then Red wanting to do the weld, we were, that was a perfect timing. Thank you for yeah. bringing that project into it. That was the perfect timing to introduce that concept. We were familiar, we were comfortable, it was lax, and now I can yell at you. Yeah. <laughs> and it's okay. It's great. <laughs> well, he gets to yell at you because you took his hammer last year. Because <laughs> that was one of the things that I noticed about this class in particular. I'm, I'm quite used to having quite a, a, a structured um, uh, like layout for the, for the day, two days, or however long the class is. Um, and you know, obviously I'm used to either being in a marquee with our setup or in our, our workshop with our tools and, and everything where I know where it is. So it was, first it was a bit weird being somewhere where there's half the things that I go to get straight away just aren't there. Um, not knowing where everything else is and, and that kind of confusion, but the fact that it was like the whole thing was so laid back, and on the first day, you know, people were turning up at different times, so it was just just this constant, like, oh yeah, you know, we're just going to do this and just do this taper, and 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 it was so chilled and and relaxed, and I don't want to say disorganized as in a bad thing. <laughs> well, we'll say loose. Yeah, I don't want to say the truth, <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, but it, it, it was, it, it wasn't um, at all regimented. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that worked really well for this class and this environment um, because it kind of made people go, okay, there's no pressure to 
at the end of it to make sure that I, I walk away with X, Y, and Z. You know, I can just relax, learn, and enjoy. And especially with the demographic around Jimmy, it's people who know how to build. They're already yeah. thinking like how to build versus if you have a, another class, be familiar with who's coming to the class because if they have absolutely no experience in the concept of just building and making, yeah. then it's a little bit more structure. We have the ability to rely on people's experience, even if it was a blacksmithing, as a woodworking, what have you, that they're familiar with the concept. We are manipulating this material and there are tools we're using and there's some theory behind it to help progress that more forward. Yeah. Sorry, sorry for the long-winded rant. <laughs> keep finding myself trying to finish it. No, it's weird. It's almost like you're the reason we're having this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that, um, those analogies kept coming up throughout the weekend. It was really nice. So Eric again is an example. He's yeah. like, oh, I don't know how to do this. Like, I don't know what to do. It's metal. It's like, oh, it's just like shiny wood. Yeah. So <laughs> what we're doing now, well, this is just like sanding. You know, we're taking yeah. it down through the grits. We're using the yeah. side of the hammer. We're using smaller yeah. taps, you know? That's, yeah. that, that's your grit. <laughs> <laughs> that's a really good way of saying <laughs> it. Um, and, and he totally got it. And, and he understood that when we were like plugging out a little little shoulder with a return on the bottle, and it's like, yeah. you know, it's just like tenons and mosses, and this is yeah. just how we're doing it. And then it suddenly in his head, it's like, oh, yeah, it's not so different after all. Yeah, because you had the same thing with, um, sorry, I'm pointing it, right? Uh, you there. <laughs> you had the same thing you when, uh, when Tony came along. <laughs> and kind of getting him to understand that, that you make the square, then you make an octagon, then you knock off those corners and that's what gives you the round. And there's a lot of, of things like that that you just need to find a way yeah. of explaining. No, the same thing, it was like, oh, we're going to be turning something. You yeah. take the corners off because you put it on the lathe. Yeah. <laughs> it's square, you're going to be there all day. Yeah. Right? So you've got to, yeah, it just made total sense. Yeah. Um, I think the, 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 the idea of this changing dynamic throughout, throughout the weekend as well obviously helps with the learning process because say you can't just come out of the gates shouting at everyone <laughs> and you also can't just be kind of like slow and, and calm the entire time because then yeah. people will just kind of forget you're there and, and not notice you unless you're red yeah. <laughs> unless you're red where um, you're quiet and reserved <laughs> and everybody notices this, this question this question is heading towards red actually yeah. gonna, um, there's also a dynamic in terms of different types of student yeah. so i was kind of i think one of the one of the reasons that i was able to work with people is because i'm like a bit of a social chameleon, like I can, I can just switch from like having a conversation with this huge New York New Yorker who just wants yeah. to like hit shit and yeah. be really aggressive and like be really bold and brash yeah. to a little shy guy in the corner who maybe has an idea but doesn't have the confidence to do it. Yeah, and just being able to switch and to understand that yeah. teaching is not just one volume. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. um, yeah, and you've got to, you, you might have to just kind of change the way you speak or change the analogies you yeah. use or. Um, yeah, change what the goal might be, you know, so that actually what we what we want to achieve now yeah. isn't the end, which I just want to get you to understand this one little thing. Yeah. So you're constantly switching how you do it. Um, Red, is that the same sort of thing with like with, with teaching with your experience, you know, especially with the young board and, and, and languages and things like how how do you, how do you find different different people around you behave differently? It is you you have to as a teacher you have to adapt to the student. Yeah. Um, when I was teaching uh, French, uh, I had a lot, a lot of different people learning French. My youngest student was like seven, and the oldest one was 93. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, and, and you have to adapt. A lot of toilet breaks in that class. <laughs> <laughs> you, have, you have to understand who, who you're talking to, who you're teaching to. And, and if you um, set up a class, like 
um, yeah, everybody is the same. Everybody will learn at the same rhythm. Every everybody will understand the same thing at the same time. It's not gonna work. It's not gonna work. So uh, giving the students the, uh, the time to learn, time to understand, so the time to practice by them by themselves, and and just enjoy the process as uh, much as they can. It's the better thing you can do as a teacher, I think. So explaining, showing, leaving them on their own to practice, and then coming back again to check, correct if need be. Um, that that that's the way to do it. The, and also, like what I had noticed um, early on in like teaching at Dragon Forge, my my dad is very, like I said, very blunt and aggressive, and in teaching new people, we can't be aggressive. I can't show up. The sleeveless shirts and tattoos, and my arms are folded, and like hit it harder, hit it harder to be the bully of a teacher. And it's yeah. a very charisma, very you know, you're talking about that empathy and, and just that walking along with them. You're not dragging them across yeah. for yeah. the lesson. Although I think I'm not <laughs> although I disagree. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're right, Elway. <laughs> I think it was uh, I think it was Eric again actually. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he uh, he brought the the piece of metal out, he'd started doing the, um, the set down and it was a case of drawing out the bar and he kind of did it. And I, can't, I think, was it you that he kind of looked at and said, oh yeah, is this right? And then he was just holding it there and he was trying to figure out what he was doing next. He was like, hit it, hit it again, hit it harder. And he just looked at me like, what? Stop talking, hit it. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, he, he was, I think he was having trouble just establishing a really tight 90 yeah. degree shoulder on that. And it was like, well, no, we're you're aiming like too high on the anvil, so yeah. it's it's pushing the steel off in the taper, and you're gonna end up with this bevel. And then Steve came over just right at that time, and it's like, well, you know, um, Steve's here. We'll have him look at it or something. Yeah. And he, he kind of gets down on top of it and hits it a couple times. And he's like, ah, see. And Steve just goes, you're losing heat. Yeah. Hit it, yeah. hit it, and he just starts wailing on it. And then just in that ten seconds of just getting a little bit of a spark behind him. He turns it over and you can see the establishment of the, yeah. that little bit of a 90 and you go, there it is. Yeah, because it, it, it. it's sometimes the fact that people will, especially with still when it, it doesn't necessarily move as quickly as, as we would always like, it's the fact that they'll do a couple hits and they'll see, like myself or Rory or people that have forging experience, be able to knock it just two or three times and establish that, that set down because you know, we, we've got that power because we you do it all the time. Um, and they'll hit it two or three times and the set down won't necessarily establish itself quite so well because they're not striking perfectly and with, with all the power. And yeah, <laughs> and it's sometimes just a case of getting behind them and just kind of geeing them up and just saying, stop thinking about it and just hit it. And one guy sent me a message from Instagram. He's like, why are you talking about money during the forging thing? Why are you saying, where's my money? <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was trying to encourage them to have that thug attitude like you're doing everything exactly right you just yeah. got to hit it harder so as they're, they're hitting that cadence it was like where's my money where's my money you know, so I'm entertaining them we're still walking I'm not dragging I'm not being a bully but they're getting the message that I'm telling them hit it yeah. harder because I think that's one of the things that you do really really well um, is you kind of act the fool in an, enough of a way that you still retain the respect, but you relax the students, um, which is really nice to see because 
when the way that Alex does that is he has me around and it's just really mean to me. Well, <laughs> 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 that sounds really familiar. Scare them first, be nice to yeah. them, and they will learn quick. Yeah, yeah, very good. I had a, a blacksmithing conference when I was a kid, and then um, foraging, and this guy was wa watching me forge, and at one point he literally grabbed the hammer out of my hand in the middle of the strength of a, the strike coming down and said, no, and then just took complete control like this, totally disrupted the perspective of what I yeah. was figuring out and trying to do. And that has always been like this image of like, don't be that guy. That yeah. was the, the complete opposite of trying yeah. to teach, yeah. just dominating. I think unless somebody's going to hurt himself. Oh, well, yeah. Because <laughs> I, I, I did have to do that. Yeah, like, right. I just had to like jump in and go, whoa. Yeah. 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 yeah, like when I stole a hammer away from one of <laughs> yeah. the person. Nope. <laughs> that was a, that was a, and you know what? I'm, I won't. Just as an example, I don't want to, you know, be condescending to anybody. But new students, you know, being a little bit green. I was working with Sharon. I was helping her with her eyelet, you yeah. know, and getting it to circle back up and we were working on the horn and you were standing just kind of off to my left and I was helping Sharon and out of the corner of my eye I saw sparks and the only way that sparks could have come is hitting a hammer directly on the anvil and that happened to be my hammer because oh. I let somebody borrow it because they were looking for a hammer and I was like oh, whatever use this one and I'm not a teacher so I was like yeah they can use my hammer <laughs> and then I remember really quickly just having a moment of like I don't know what to do right now because I'm like trying to help one of the students, you know, and teach her what you were talking about. But over here, it's like my baby is getting hurt. Right? <laughs> so it was a challenge. baby in a fire moment. It's like, there's a dog inside the baby. <laughs> That's the challenge of having so many students and ha again, having a great uh, team to help manage all of that. And at times, you're working with somebody and like talking about in your peripheral, uh oh, and trying to address both of them if you can. <laughs> Do we just have Roy tell a quick parrot story? Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Context. I, I, I think it needs to happen. So I was uh, 19, and I thought it would be great to purchase an African gray parrot. Oh, I didn't know. They are wonderful, interesting animals. They are, they are more of a permanent four-year-old than they are like a, a horse or what have you. Yeah. I don't know. They're... A little bit more intellectually there than like a cat or, net or a dog, but I have a hard time saying that because Axel, yeah. the dog, we've had great conversations and he's never said a single word. <laughs> Meanwhile, this parrot, sometimes I can't get it to shut up. But I love her to death. She was pushing 18 years old. And a lot of questions are like, how old do they live to be? And You know, they could be 20, they could be 30. I've heard of 50-year-old parrots. It's about the, the oldest I've heard, but not very many. But this, this parrot lives in a world of routines, and you vocalize those routines. So one of the first things I had to teach her was her name, give her that name, that identity. So she knows she's Cleo, she knows I'm Rory, she knows Axel, she knows Amanda, and her perception of time is a little bit lost there. So it takes her about three days to realize I'm gone, because Amanda is keeping the routine going. So by the third day, she's sitting there going, Rory, 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 <laughs> you know, texting me but um, what story are we going to share there's so many I, I, I think the one with um, 
uh, Axel and the, the yeah, Okay, so, so then we have the routines with the dog with Axel. So Axel loves to guard, and he's very reserved with the guard with the guard at the door. So he sit at the door and watch people walk by, and there's this little rumble, and his hair is standing up. And we're teaching Axel to say, or not to say, teaching Axel to don't bark. You can growl. You can do your job. Just unless they cross that property line, you can turn it on. But other than that, so it's always Axel, no barking. Axel, no barking. Well, one day Axel is sitting at the door and the bird is with Axel in the living room and Axel, you can hear him doing his rumble, his, his growl, and you hear the parrot in the background. Axel, no barking. He, what he does is he, he turns over his shoulder and he looks at her and just does this sigh. Just, oh, come on. She's constantly telling him, you know, who's it? <laughs> Well, hopefully there will be video of you uh, telling the fire it's a good boy. It's an amazing moment. But, uh, yeah, I think also you should probably teach, uh, teach Cleo to say spiffing. Spiffing. So, so we can get her to uh, segue to... Um... People that we think that are spiffing. Cool. Uh, so there were so many spiffing people this weekend. We are just gonna. Would you two shut up? Right. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Right. Uh, yeah, there were so many cool people this weekend. We're just gonna completely skip the spiffing side of things, and we're gonna link everyone that was at the class in the shows. So go and check them out because there's some really, really cool people, some genuinely amazing people there. Um, and uh, yeah, the other thing to go check out is Rory's. Um, Zombie Challenge. If you don't know about it, there's videos on Rory's channel. Go check it out. Uh, I think all of us are going to be entering it in some way, shape, or form. Oh yeah. Can I can I quickly? Yeah, you go for it. So the, the the challenge is that you can make a weapon to slay zombies if there happen to be a zombie apocalypse. The, really, the only rule is that one part of the weapon at least needs to be forged, or the whole thing. The analogy I give, or the example I give, is that you could forge a nail, you could glue it to your car, and you could drive into a pumpkin, which is usually the vegetable of choice to demonstrate the weapon. I would accept that as a weapon. <laughs> <laughs> Something was forged. So with the focus. <laughs> Everything's a weapon. So if you're a woodworker, you can incorporate some, I mean, it could be a nail, and if you have a little flame and a hammer, and just manipulate a little bit, you could do a grand a weapon itself. I will be choosing the winner this year versus the popularity contest that we've had previous. I think this oh, is thank God. the fourth or fifth one. <laughs> Last year's winner is, is with us, Red. He did a, a beautiful crossbow that was wow. Yeah. yeah. And also the introduction of the, the chainsaw old brainless. Yeah. If you haven't seen Al's video, you should check that out. I, I watched that a lot. <laughs> and also threw a, a wrench in there. If you didn't want to make a weapon and you feel some sympathy for the pumpkin getting slayed, you could also decide to protect the zombie pumpkin and create a barrier of such so that nobody could harm this precious vegetable as well. Plenty of information on DirtySmith.com or social media. If you have any questions, feel free to contact me. But the rules are very straightforward and pretty simple. Awesome. Cool. Uh, right. You can find all of us in all of the usual places. Um, you can find Rory at Dirty Smith, Brett at Scullerspay13. 
Jess at I, Jessup. Al at Al's Hack Shop. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Red at the Red Smith at Me and Moonshine Networks. And we'll see you all next week. Bye! Bye. Bye. Until next time, keep it dirty.